Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Germany champions of the world, yes! As the under-17s triumph in Indonesia and Julian Nagelsmann's team are handed a favorable draw for the Euros, we ask, was talk of German football's crisis overblown? We also look back at the big clash in Leverkusen, find out why Bayern against Union didn't happen. Munich hadn't seen this much snow since Freddie Mercury's 39th birthday party. And we salute VfL Bochum's Nikolausi. Nikolausi? Nein, Osterhage. All of this and more in Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we are back for another episode of Beer and Honey. But before we start, thank you so much if you are already a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. If you're not, why don't you become one? Or even better, become an ultra and help keeping Beer and Honey going. You can take out a subscription on steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey. Thank you very much for your help. Uh, Christoph, welcome back. So many things to talk about, including your trip to Namibia, but <laughs> maybe we'll leave that uh, for the travel section uh, later on. Um, I think we have to start with the world champions, Germany. Not useless after all, an international tournament, at least when it comes to the under-17s. They beat France in a pretty dramatic game, 2-2 in 90 minutes and then it went to penalties and Germany won. Hooray! Uh, were you very impressed? Yes, I was. Um, and for the first time ever, so that was the first time ever that Germany won an under-17 title, um, World, World Cup. Uh, the same team, or more or less the same team, already won in May the European Championship. So... Um, they are actually good. And that is great news and maybe a bit uh, uh, irritating news because we, we are so used to complain about the state of German football, especially the development of young players, discussions about what went wrong and um, are we heading in the, in the, in the wrong direction uh, in general and, and now... We have this team. I don't know what, what you think. Um, there was a sense of, um, yes, it's a, it's a very talented group um, with some excellent players. For example, uh, Paris Brunner, uh, who was voted uh, the player of the tournament also. And um, the, Borussia the young Borussia Dortmund guy. But... Uh, apart from this individual talent, that there was <laughs> the return of the German virtues. Uh, so a very resilient, very uh, uh, a team with a good fighting spirit. I mean, they they were were down to ten men uh, for I don't know how how long was it? I, I mean, a, a long time in in the final against uh, uh, France and. Um, uh, so um, this was all very impressive and I'm wondering, and that's a question I, I want to ask you, um, is, does it come out of the blue? Is it uh, maybe um, 
this discussion, as I already mentioned, um, have they been misleading in a way? Because um, uh, we were looking too much on the results of the first team, the first, the German national team. Um, so so how, how do you see it? I think that a country of 83 million people and 6 million footballers <laughs> will always find decent 11 at any age and there's no reason why they shouldn't be successful. I think it was very impressive, as you said, that this team played like a real team. Individually, the French were more talented, but they didn't have the same cohesion. And they didn't have the same fighting spirit. And especially after that uh, sending off in the 69th minute, uh, when Osave, a winner's Osave was sent off for a second yellow, uh, this Germany team really dug deep and, and managed to find, yeah, find, find a way to, to get over the line, even though they were outplayed. Um, I was impressed that uh, we have a 1 meter 94 striker in Germany, <laughs> Max Mörstedt, <laughs> uh, a dying species, the, a real center forward. I hope that he can develop, uh, continue to develop and become uh, a Bundesliga pro and then later Germany international because we need players like this. And yeah, I mean, you could see there are one or two players who will probably not make it because physically they look a little bit slight. Maybe they will still develop, but um, I think they might, they might struggle. But overall, Super impressive team, good coach in Christian Wück, uh, former uh, Bundesliga striker. And yeah, a real, yeah, I think maybe this is a, um, a case of Fußball-Deutsch um, or just Deutsch. Learning Fußball-Deutsch with beer and honey. Ein Lichtblick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lichtblick. I mean, Lichtblick is is a sign of light, but maybe more accurately translated as green shoots. Okay. Um, signs of life re-emerging from the from the desert or from the darkness. So yeah, Germany world champions. Hooray. Germany world champions, hooray. Um, uh, we also had another uh, thing concerning uh, German national teams, because there was a draw for the Europe 2024 in Germany. And Germany is playing in the group against Scotland, Hungary, And Switzerland, and I, I, I read some commentaries uh, over the weekend, and they were saying, ah, it's an easy group, and uh, you, you you should expect uh, Germany to go through. Uh, yes, we we have to keep in mind that uh, uh, not only one team qualifies from the group, but two, maybe three. So yeah, uh, there should be a a chance to to qualify for the next round. Um, Uh, even under giving circumstances, um, but but, but what, what do you think? Um, I think at least we can say 
Scotland um, is everybody fav everybody's favorite in Germany to play against them, not be because they are so fantastic as a football team, but because of the Tartan Army and everybody loves them in Germany, uh, bringing a lot of color, noise and uh, and bringing up the beer consumption in the in the cities where they <laughs> where Scotland is playing. Um, but 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 how difficult is this group? Yeah, I think, first of all, they were celebrating in Munich's Hofbräuhaus when the, uh, the draw came in. Um, you're right, there's going to be thousands of Scots having a good time in the summer in Munich, which is a great place to have a good time. It it sounds like a very good draw because it could have been a, so much worse. There were some really good teams in, in the third part, uh, also in the second part, and of course, Italy... Germany's bogey team in big competitions in uh, the fourth one. So I think it was seen or was greeted with a sign of relief. But we saw Hungary, how difficult they are. They caused real problems, Germany, in the Euros. They caused real problems in the Nations League. So they shouldn't take this team um, lightly at all. Yeah, Scotland, I think, on paper are the kind of opponent that Germany would like to play against. Um, I, I would agree with that. And Switzerland, this is not the greatest Swiss team of recent years, as we see in their struggles to qualify. But they've also caused problems in the Nations League uh, not long ago. So, yeah, of course, they'll be favorites to qualify and even win the group. But they were also favorites to qualify and win the group in 2018 <laughs> and in uh, 2022. And we shouldn't forget, in March, there are two friendlies against the Dutch and the and the France. And if things go bad there, then we might not even see Julian Nagelsmann at the Euros. Whoa! So, really? Yeah, I think Okay. after the latest... Um, Christoph, you were in Namibia having a good time, but <laughs> after the, while German football was in crisis... But uh, the mood after the two setbacks against um, Turkey and Austria was such that if Nagelsmann turns in two more performances like that, I think it's going to be very hard for him to survive. Okay. Um, he, he, um, Nagelsmann himself, he, he came to Hamburg and, and you said oh, yeah, that it's natural, but, but uh, he really took an effort to come to, come to Hamburg because we have this snow chaos in, uh, around Munich where he is living and there were no flights, no trains. So he, uh, he took a car to escape from, from icy Munich, although he seems to be pretty ill. Um, and um, yeah, so and he said uh, he found the draw interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And uh, he also announced, and I, I, I didn't really know how to read it, um, that he might change his squad for 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 the uh, for the next games that you you already mentioned massively. Uh, how 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 did, how did you understand what what he was saying? Yeah, Julian Nagelsmann mentioned uh, changing a few things, structural things, maybe in terms of preparation as well. Without going into details, he said he's not going to be radical in the sense of getting rid of 10 people and bringing 10 new ones in. But uh, seemed, he seemed to feel that 
just a few touch up touch ups are not going to change that much and uh, bigger measures need to be taken but what what they will be and how that will look i'm not sure but maybe maybe um crazy prediction maybe it results in kai havertz not playing uh, wing back <laughs> again uh, let, let's see let's see another another thing you missed Kostov, while you were away yeah i but I, I read about it and i I'm, 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 we, we shouldn't, shouldn't uh, talk too much about the German national team now, but um, uh, there is uh, this sense around Julian Nagelsmann that he makes probably uh, makes things too complicated, too complex, and uh, and maybe Kai Havertz um, as a as a left back was a kind of um, too clever idea. Whatever. Uh, let's talk about the Bundesliga. Yes. Uh, the incomplete Bundesliga. We mentioned the snow in uh, in Munich, the most snow ever measured in early December, as I read. And so um, the match between Bayern and Union Berlin was called off. And yeah. not because the pitch was covered with snow, that would be the easiest part, but... Uh, because uh, people wouldn't couldn't have come to uh, the stadium. Yeah, crazy scenes in Munich. I mean, if you, if you live in a country that doesn't have snow or you find it hard to imagine, just remember the scene in Scarface where he loses his head uh, at the end of the game. That that's how how Munich looked um, <laughs> in in uh, on Saturday. Uh, the airport still closed uh, on Sunday even. They couldn't cope with that, and all trains and everything. Yeah, funnily, uh, maybe not so funny for Union because they were traveling from Braga directly to to Munich and got, got stuck there, so they couldn't play and had to take the bus home in old in a very old-fashioned way. I think it took them more than seven hours from Munich to back to the Alte Försterei. So, um, yeah, but we, we have eight games that have been played and uh, I think we should start with the top, top, top game between Bayer Leverkusen and Borussia Dortmund where uh, Dortmund drew or escaped with one point or um, won a point or lost two points. Um, Edin Terzic uh, was furious after the game because um, late in the game, uh, Karim Adeyemi uh, saw that what he said should have been awarded a penalty. And um, But uh, let's talk about the game. The roles were interesting uh, because um, Borussia Dortmund parked the bus in a, in a, in a very... Mm, Uh, how, how can I say that? Well-structured, effective uh, way, although especially in the second half they were uh, lucky uh, uh, to get away with a, uh, with a point. Um, but also um, Edin Terzic had a point because um, I also had the impression that, it was a, that uh, Adeyemi was fouled 
And um, Niklas Füllkrug could have scored um, the surprise winner in the last minute of the game when he headed the ball um, over the bar. Um, very, a, a great cross, a great header, but he headed it over the bar. Uh, but altogether... Um, Bayer Leverkusen is still top of the table, but uh, not really anymore. Because if Bayern would have played and if Bayern would have won against Union, uh, they would be top of the table now. Yeah, ifs and buts. There's no <laughs> such thing. Uh, beating Union isn't, uh, isn't that easy anymore. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that, but we will see when the game will be will be played. Was it a setback for Leverkusen or were they happy with the point which they won quite late in the game? Uh, I, I think they weren't happy uh, with the point when when you um, look at at the numbers, how much possessions they had, how much sh shots they had, how much uh, corners they had, how much... Uh, um, when you look at the expected goals, uh, yeah, they were uh, rather unlucky. I think it was again a very good performance by um, Bayer and um, but um, also I mean Mats Hummels again was um, was producing some miraculous clearances um, as he already did in um, uh, when when Borussia won at Milan and uh, he was very impressive but but yes um, um, overall I, I think um, uh, Dortmund won a point that was a bit lucky. For Dortmund, that was the, the end of a pretty successful week. If you consider the fact that they qualified for the next round in the Champions League with that uh, win in Milan. And a point in Leverkusen, I think, will, will look okay, even though it maybe tells us something about where those two teams are that Dortmund can no longer just expect to go and win at Leverkusen the way things are going. And it's Leverkusen who are the more disappointed side after that uh, big tussle at the top of the table. Yeah, you're right. And and uh, I, I think Borussia Dortmund's main uh, aim this season is to qualify for the Champions League again. And, uh, and we have an interesting, complex situation there uh, when it comes to the um, uh, four, four sports for German teams. There is a chance that the number will increase to five, but, but uh, as for now, uh, it's four. Four, four teams that uh, will qualify for the Champions League next season. We can be sure that Bayern takes one of them. And I think now we can also be almost sure that Bayer Leverkusen takes uh, one of them. So there are two left. And, um, and when, we t when we talk um, about the top teams this season, I think seriously we have to talk about Stuttgart. And uh, because uh, now we are in a... Uh, so far in the season that we can say, no, it's not just an aberration, something strange going on, maybe a bit similar to um, to what happened with Union Berlin last, last year. Maybe uh, it's a team that runs out of luck sooner or later. No, Stuttgart are actually really, really good. Yeah, they are really good. We've been saying that for, for weeks and it's not just uh, the strikers who, of course, 
are catching most of the attention with uh, Dennis Under scoring again, with Seru Girassi scoring again, uh, two wonderful players. But the whole team just plays decent football every single week. Defensively solid, going forward with real fluidity. They have balance, they have cohesion, they have everything a team needs without yeah, that many star players if you take out the aforementioned forwards. Uh, and they missed and they, and they lost. I could be their most important player in the captain, Vaturo Endo, but uh, haven't become much worse for it. Yeah, another big win for Stuttgart. They beat Werder Bremen 2-0. The scorers uh, already mentioned to secure, to underline their Champions League ambitions. Uh, but it could be more because, Christoph, you said that Dortmund's main target is to qualify for the Champions League. I think their main target is to win a trophy. Of course, they have to qualify for the Champions League as well, but they have a chance of winning, especially the German FA Cup or the DFB Pokal. But the problem is they have to go to Stuttgart on Wednesday night, the very place where they were beaten very convincingly just 10 days ago. So that's going to be a real big test for Terzic, not so much for Stuttgart, but for, for Dortmund and for Terzic. Uh, difficult night in prospect. Yes, of course. And I, I was I was thinking about this combination of Girassi and Undav because um, I, I was wondering when when did it come out of fashion to have two proper strikers? I mean, that's it's it's so old fashioned. I don't. Are there top teams that have a combination? Like this, mm -hmm. you have deep lying nines playing around the target, uh, men up front, this kind of stuff. We have a lot, but uh, this lo looks like uh, like in the um, very old four for two when you had <laughs> two two uh, guys up front to bang the balls in. Um, I mean, it's it's much more complex uh, um, how, how Stuttgart plays, but uh, but in fact, it's it's a, it's an oddity these days. Or would you disagree? No, I think it's uh, I think you're right. Most teams try to dominate midfield and are reluctant to play two centre forwards. If uh, there is a second centre forward, it has to be more uh, like a number ten or. A, Maybe Thomas Müller is the exception because you could say that Bayern have been playing with two centre forwards the whole time, if you consider Müller. But of course, his game is is, is kind of different. But yeah, um, it's about not giving up too much control in the centre. But it can be done, as we see from from Stuttgart. My my perception of this situation at Stuttgart is that Stuttgart signed Undorf. Uh, on loan from Brighton because they were almost sure that they would lose Girassi, who had a release clause for 15 million uh, in, in summer that um, for reasons a lot of um, sports directors around Europe will probably scratch their heads now. Uh, not, nobody took and, and so he, he stayed at Stuttgart and so Stuttgart ended up with two top strikers and um, instead of one, what, what they expected yeah and uh, 
but it's good. It's good for the Bundesliga. It's um, it's uh, um, um, as we said, it, they are fun to watch, and uh, they are a very likely candidate to to play the Champions League um, next season. Yeah, and Serum Girassi will be a likely candidate to uh, possibly leave, uh, if not in January, then in the summer. Um, I think the release clause is still active in January, so it's going to be pretty difficult to hold on to him. But we can only hope for the sake of Stuttgart and uh, for our sake, as lovers of the German top flight, that he will continue for a little bit longer. Uh, Christoph, continuing a little bit longer in the Bundesliga, isn't that the p best <laughs> way, possible way? to link to the team that you really want to discuss ever since you came on. VfL Bochum. VfL Bochum, 3-1 winners over Wolfsburg. Hooray! Their second win of the league. Their most convincing win of the league. Yes, one out of two, what are the odds? But <laughs> they were very, they were good. And I watched the game because Brian Union was off. So I found myself watching all three games that kicked off at uh, 3.30 at German time on Saturday. Uh, not, not, not a lot going on in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality, I was impressed with this uh, VfL Bochum team. Um, me too. Um, it was, uh, as you said, the second win. It was uh, the first home win. Uh, so Bochum was the last team in the Bundesliga to win a game at home. Um, it had uh, um, three goal scorers that hadn't scored before. And uh, I would like to pick out Patrick um, Osterhage. Um, Bernardo scored his uh, first goal for Bochum. Christopher Antwiadze uh, scored his first goal this season. And Patrick Osterhage scored his first goal in the Bundesliga at all. And... Um, For me, he was a bit the um, the symbol for this uh, for for what for the development we can see in Bochum in, in recent week, um, because uh, uh, to me he was outstanding. Um, Patrick Osterhage is still a young player who was um, he comes from Borussia Dortmund youth team where he was a captain of. Uh, of a team that won the German um, under 19 uh, championship and uh, had a, a very bad injury that uh, where he was out a lot of time and then Bochum took him and kind of nurtured him over a long period and now you can see how good he is and And altogether, um, I, I, I think it was Bochum's best performance this season. And not only the best performance, but um, you could see a real development. Um, they, were, they are uh, uh, defensively more stable. They are also uh, starting to create more uh, goal chances and so on. So um, I was really impressed. And that is... Um, It was a special week for, for Bochum because um, uh, during the week um, the club surprisingly, I, I, I think, but uh, logically uh, extended uh, Thomas Lech's contract uh, until 2026. 
And there, there was something else happening uh, that it was pretty important, I think, for the Bochum soul, uh, because there is a <clears throat> there was an ongoing discussion about the future of the Ruhrstadion and the home uh, for Bochum uh, since ever, um, and. Um, The, the stadium is as atmospheric as it is, a bit outdated, it needs renovation and stuff. So I, there was a discussion to build a new one, maybe somewhere else. But um, at the annual meeting of the club, the club declared that they uh, want to stay at the, um, at the place where the stadium, stadium is right now and renovate it. And I think um, uh, for, for the club, uh, for the supporters of the club, that was a very... Uh, good news. So um, altogether, a brilliant news, uh, a brilliant week for um, uh, VfL Bochum, and uh, astonishingly, they are five games unbeaten now. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> This is pretty good, uh, and that explains why they're 12 in the league, uh, Christoph. Uh, there's a danger of vertigo setting in. <laughs> they're so high up in the league. But uh, good on you. Uh, meanwhile, uh, down in the real relegation battle, where <laughs> <laughs> Bochum are no longer involved, at least not for the next couple of weeks, Köln, our friends from Köln, won at Darmstadt. A big three points for Stefan Baumgart, who was just beginning to feel the pressure a little bit. Is this kind of result, uh, Christa, that will lift Köln? before the winter break and uh, will make Christmas a lot happier there? Um, I, I think so, uh, because it was desperately needed. Um, and not only because every point is desperately needed when you, you're down in the basement of the uh, um, table, but also, as you said, um, um, people in Cologne are quite patient compared to what I saw in the in 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 the past uh, with 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 their club and with this team and with Steffen Baumgart and so on but uh, you, you must have results uh, at at a at a certain time and uh, especially when you play against uh, competitors um, in the relegation zone and so i think it's you you can't um, underestimate the value of this win Uh, and it was a deserved win also. And uh, Davy Zeltke scored the decisive goal. And whenever he scores, I, I, I think, ah, Davy Zelke, maybe he is really good sometime. And, um, and then I forget about it for some weeks. And then he scores again. And I think, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, Davy Zelke uh, waiting for his big uh, breakthrough at Cologne, but um, uh, the match winner in Darmstadt. And um, yeah, great one for Cologne. Yeah, and also really good win for Freiburg. They won 1-0 at uh, Mainz to get closer to European places. Freiburg with a difficult start in the Bundesliga by their standards. But in recent weeks, just picking up points here and there. And Michael Gregoric, after scoring a hat-trick against Olympiakos in Europa League, uh, once again the match winner with his first Bundesliga goal of the season. Another big hooray for, for Gregoric and Freiburg. 
There were also wins for Leipzig against Heidenheim. Leipzig with a 2-1, which should have been a lot bigger. They missed a lot of chances. Luis Openda and Yusuf Paulsen scored. And Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, as producer York will no, do no doubt would have enjoyed very much. They narrowly beat TSK Hoffenheim. And very luckily. Ah. Yeah. And with a big dollop of fortune as well. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but but uh, it, it looks as if um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach is heading in the right direction. The direction might be right, but there's st the journey is still a long one. Yeah. But, but um, uh, I think nobody... Um, is expecting uh, miracles from Borussia Mönchengladbach this season. I think everybody sees it as a kind of transitional season. And uh, and the only thing um, uh, that you are asking for is, is a transition going into the right or into the wrong direction? Uh, because uh, um, this uh, this squad has has uh, changed a lot, and and they have a new coach in Gerardo Seuana, and and there were so a, a lot of doubts about Borussia Mönchengladbach, especially um, after they lost the derby um, in Cologne. But um, so uh, it right now it looks as if um, they are on their way, not to glory not to international places but to mid-table stability i would say mid-table stability would have been the aim for augsburg when they replaced enrico Maaßen with jesse thorup but uh, jesse has been so successful since coming in a few weeks ago that augsburg might actually be aiming a little bit higher they won again on Sunday, 2-1 against Frankfurt in that battle of possible Europa League or Conference League contenders. And they're up in ninth place, just three points behind the European places. Yeah, um, so very often it's said that um, uh, the change of managers doesn't uh, um, create uh, good things. Um, uh, but uh, I think here you have a classic example um, that um, they they did the right thing to in bringing in Jesse uh, Thorup, uh, the Dane. And um, uh, let's see. I mean, Augsburg is a kind of ambitious club that um, wants exactly to develop into the regions where they are uh, right now, maybe even a, a, a bit higher after being, how long? 11 years now in the Bundesliga. And, um, and um, yeah, maybe um, uh, things clicking uh, for, for in Augsburg now. And, um, but I think it's a bit too early to... to, to uh, to make a final judgment about this. Okay, but the final verdict of this week's beer and honey has come in, it's over. It's all over. Uh, that's all we got time for. But I hope that you will come back to listen to our uh, big review of match day 14 in a week's time. Well, we'll also discuss one or two Dave Bepokal results and then return to the Champions League. 
a few days later. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for supporting us. We couldn't do it without you. This was Beer and Honey and I was Rafael Honigstein. And I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.